I'm here because I wanted to talk to you about us. Hi, John Flynn. Hello, Eric Bernat. What a week we are having with Madonna. Yeah. It is her birthday. She has finally announced the new tour dates. She probably was like, I'm going to wait till the day before my birthday so that on my birthday I get extra fever. <laughs> extra heat. No one's no one's coming for me on my birthday about right. my dates. I don't want to talk about six, the number 65. I want to talk about the numbers <laughs> 4, 5, 7, 9, and 11, which are my new LA dates. Right, exactly. Which are one of those days we don't know yet. We just know general. That's when she's coming to L.A. We have not found out exactly. Of March. In March. Yeah, in March, right? Yes. 2024. 2024. We don't know which one of those dates we're going to yet, but we know it's the beginning of March. So we're very excited. It's helped us sort of. We're starting to like focus up and settle the podcast. So we're like starting to figure out what's coming next. Yeah, we're trying to fill out the space between now and when we see the tour. So we're. we're the celebration for the celebration tour going. Yeah, we want to keep putting good Madonna vibes into the atmosphere. (laughs) Celebrating her. Yeah. All of her many performances. In the way that like if a butterfly flaps its wings, if John and Eric do a podcast (laughs) and put it out, will it? Yeah, it's going to lift her. Yeah, she'll feel it in some way. In some way. So yeah, that's happening. That's very exciting. Very exciting. Also exciting. We've got we've got some emails from you guys we have not been uh, addressing, but we wanted to do that now really quickly. The first one we got is from Rachel. And Rachel just says, hey, thank you guys for the podcast for our queen. I'd love to hear an episode about the movie Dick Tracy and I'm Breathless album. Uh, that's um, definitely on happening. the board. It's happening. But thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. We have Lindsay who reached out to us that she's a fan of John's other podcast, Two Old Queens, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I'm also a fan of. I've been a guest on. And maybe going over some Madonna movies in a Two Old Queens fashion, which... Well, we do have an actual episode coming up. Yes, that we've yet to record, but it's going to be Mark Rennie, who's John's co-host on Two Old Queens, John and myself using the two old queens format to discuss desperately seeking susan right um, well, we're going to share that on this feed it's a very fun show and if you haven't heard it this will you'll probably if you hear our episode you'll go back and be like i want to hear this applied to other movies yeah because mm-hmm. they have a very fun way to analyze these movies it's complex and byzantine but a good thing. thank you Lindsay. thank you Lindsay. we also got a message from michael who said oh idea could you guys do a ranking of all of Madonna's tour entrances? I think that's a really fun idea. I do too. We're going to do it. We're going to have to think of a way. I had an idea to do it, judge it like the Olympics, like pick like categories, like outfit, song choice, means of entrance. Like, is it a disco ball? Is it a cage, a throne? Right. And then performance, I guess. And then have like a number of categories and then we could score them one to 10. Maybe like, it you know, one to 11, because then it's like one for each tour. Sure. Like a possible score. Them, really. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're not putting them in order. We're just putting, we're doing like, like uh, for that, I give her a 7.8 for the disco ball. <laughs> okay. All right. We're still figuring stuff out, guys. But yeah, yeah. we love and these it ideas. It sh- should be um, 
level of difficulty should be also incorporated into that if it's like an olympian thing like oh like if she's just sitting and the chair moves around that's not that difficult sure i mean it's great but it's not <laughs> she's not gonna hurt if she, herself at that if part. she has to navigate stairs there's some difficulty that's true thank you michael thank you michael and then we got another email from Kirby and he, Kirby writes, Hey, Eric and John, I just want to say congratulations on your new Madonna podcast. I just found it today and listened to the first episode. Looking forward to listening to the rest. You just made this gay Gen Xer very happy. Thank you. And keep up the good work. Thank you, Kirby. That's very sweet. Yeah. Thank you. You And see, we made you happy. You in turn made us happy. Mm-hmm. Love makes the world go round. <laughs> Love makes the world go round. na, 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 na. Thank you guys for all those messages and all those suggestions. Keep them coming. As I said, we're we're figuring out what we're going to be doing. And we would love to hear what you guys want to hear, want to hear us talk about. Um, yeah, let us know. Maybe you just want us to shut up. Could I mean, if you want to do that, I would guess just don't download the podcast, what I would guess. But if you're in some weird situation where you are forced to listen to it, uh, we apologize. Yeah. <laughs> This is your waterboarding. Um, let, us, let us know how we can assist you in getting you out of this. You should not be in that situation. That's not a situation anyone should be in. I know it's gonna be a good day. Oh yeah, today is my birthday. Huh. Okay, and then next we want to talk about it's, it's now, Madonna's birthday. Madonna's birthday. Tomorrow is- or yesterday two days ago when this first comes out but it is tomorrow when we're recording this okay and so we thought about this we talked we're like what can we get her there's nothing we could really get her there's no way it's very highly unlikely she will hear this podcast so getting something to, for her seems silly so we thought instead what if we gave you the listeners the gift of madonna by which i mean we're going to recommend other Madonna podcasts that we think are great and really fun to listen to. And if you want more Madonna podcasts in your life, these are some great places to check out. Places? These are some great podcasts to check out. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. I have. Um, so the first one, I consider this sort of like the the mother of all Madonna podcasts is the MLVC, the Madonna podcast. Uh, and it is in their own words, your place for all things Madonna, Louise, Veronica Ciccone. Those are by Stefan Liberty, Tony, and Ben. They discuss everything from music, videos, performances, movies, and tours. Yeah, they've been doing this podcast for over five years now. They've had a lot of her dancers. They've had so many uh, people who've worked with her. It's a really fun listen. They also do live streams, I think, every... I don't know if it's every week or every other week. They're definitely worth checking out. They know so much more about Madonna. I feel like when I listen to their podcast, I'm like, oh, I don't know anything about her. Yeah, it's encyclopedic knowledge that's semi-intimidating, but very enjoyable. <laughs> Absolutely. Another one that we love is Inside the Groove, which I think has ended. Yeah. It's hosted by musician and writer Edward Russell. It's a, it's a dissects Madonna's most famous songs, and then he does albums also discussing how they were written and recorded. He has a lot of like fascinating like demos and outtakes, and he is like a forensic investigator in terms of like finding out where this sample came from where this other track that they use buried into it yeah i find it very very interesting yeah it's Um, fascinating and it's so like nerding out about the music of madonna and just like how it is put together it's so fascinating for that true another one that i really like is a podcast called all i want to do is talk about madonna 
and it is hosted by Mark and Kenny. I'm not sure if it's Mark Snyder and Kenny Finkel or Kenny Snyder and Mark Finkel. But uh, they, what they do is these two, these two guys, they go through her entire catalog song by song. So that just every episode is like a song off the album. They go in chronological order. They've been doing it for years. They just started Confessions on a Dance Floor. So their Hung Up episode just came out. And it's really, really fun. And also they recently did, it's not about Madonna, but they did a tribute to Sinead O'Connor uh, after her passing, which was really, really lovely. And I recommend checking that episode out as well. I have to go listen to that because I'm still getting like, I'm getting really sad about Sinead O'Connor. I feel like it, like when it happened and when they announced that she had died, I was like, oh, that's really sad. And then as the days have passed since then i'm like now that's really sad and then i've been listening to Sinead o'connor a lot yeah they recommended it's an ep the last thing she recorded it was an ep called gospel oak and it's really really beautiful definitely worth checking out okay i will will do thank you mark and kenny another great one to check out is called get together uh and wayne uh is as according to him is uh, i will be navigating all things madonna with fans all across the world in every nation he covers albums tours greatest hits movies and more and uh it's really fun he's another one who like who goes deep like he he really knows about like remixes and different reissues and all stuff like that which is so beyond my my brain power but that's another really fun one to check out and another one that is new and i think there's only three episodes and i've only gotten through the first one which i really like it's called like a muse but this is they focus on like remixes so there's like a 20 minute interview and then like 45 minutes of just like madonna remixes after that and that's like another fun one especially if you're like i want some madonna in the background that's like new but familiar so those are well those are the madonna podcasts we have then we also have a few more podcasts that are music centered that have like madonna in them so yeah you okay hit parade hosted by chris Malanfi, who's a uh journalist and a like a billboard he's like a he's very into the billboard charts the chart specialist yeah yeah and how that works he's also like super super knowledgeable just about music and also like deep dives into like yeah it's all of every episode that I've listened to of uh, that has I've been really, really entertained by and educated by. But in 2018, in 2018, in 2018, in March, he released an episode called The Veronica Electronic Experience, something like that. And it, it basically it's presented as like sort of like discussing how Ray of Light, the album, came to be and like its moment in kind of pop culture history and his premise is that like it probably shouldn't have happened the way as well as it did <laughs> that had all these things kind of working against it in a way that like common sense way but in doing so he goes back to the beginning of her career and working his way up to it and it's it's the way he frames culture and charts and things like that into the way things get come together uh is really fascinating so thank you, Chris. Yeah, he's great. Another great music podcast that actually Chris Malenthe has been a frequent guest on. It's called Pop Pantheon. And it's this younger guy. Uh, he DJ Louis the 14th. And he and his guests over analyze your favorite pop stars and rank them in the official Pop Pantheon, which is a, a, a pan pantheon he's created. It's five different levels. It's really, really fun. He's so passionate and so knowledge about pop music, not just Madonna. But what happened was his fourth episode ever, he did an episode on Madonna but they focused on her later career and they sort of were like, meh about it. And they got so many complaints from listeners that he went back and did like a full, he ended up doing a four episode series on Madonna, 
like for all like different chapters of it with different guests and it is fascinating it is so great so fun so exciting he is so, i find his energy and enthusiasm so infectious and i really love the podcast if you like pop music at all or want to listen to people talk about it, definitely check that one out it's so much fun and then the final one is not a music podcast it is a more of a it is a movie podcast and it is the podcast called you must remember this and it is uh in their own words the podcast dedicated to exploring the secret and or forgotten histories of hollywood's first century and the podcast was created and is written produced and narrated by karina longworth and she is so smart and her podcast is so well researched so well put together so well produced she has a two-part series on Madonna called From Sean to Warren. And then she just recently had a 14-episode series about the erotic 90s. And there's one whole episode about called Sex, Erotica, and Body of Evidence. And that whole series is fascinating. And that one episode is, of course, of special interest because it's all about Madonna. I cannot recommend that podcast enough. It is so well done. And uh, it, it's, it's such a great listen and so informative. Things that are really well done and well-researched and informed Formative make me just focus on the fact that on the first episode of our podcast, we keep talking about how Madonna's 25 when this tour happens. <laughs> and she's 27. She was 27. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> We're smart enough to let you to tell you about other podcasts. <laughs> if you want think. facts, go to this place. <laughs> if you just want to like listen to homosexuals <laughs> of a certain age discuss Madonna, then stick around you're in the right place you're in the right place because coming up that's right we talk about her one and a half off tears of a clown tears of a clown which i ended up liking more than i thought i would i did too so happy birthday madonna thank you to all of our listeners everyone who's been listening uh please let us know if you have any other suggestions we love hearing them bye we love you John Flynn, my good friend, Julia Vanderveen, is here to talk with us about the Tears of a Clown concert. Specifically, uh, Julia's a, a New York City-based actor. There's also like a very gifted physical comedian and a self-proclaimed, I don't want to say, you're a clown. You do clowning. I am. Okay. Yes, I am. That's right. Perfect. We're going to get into what that means because my knowledge base of clowning is very basic, but Mine I think, well. you're, yeah, you're not like a, somebody who dresses up and goes to kids' parties and blows up balloon animals. Julia does like kind of like highbrow stuff like at fringe festivals and places that are reputable and hard to get into and does these like oh. one woman shows that are based in clown. Do you say clownery? clownery? I would say either clown or clowning. Yeah. Clown or clowning. Oh, cool. I love calling high highbrow right next to Fringe Festival. I don't think I've ever heard those two words together, but I really bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, I think they are. I think that like what the Fringe Festival attracts is like experiment it is a wide range of stuff, but it's experimental stuff that's um not gonna be found necessarily in the mainstream. Although you do find clown in the mainstream that's on Broadway true. even. For sure. That's true. So yeah. how would you, so clowning, yeah, like Eric, is something that I, I don't know that much about. To me, it feels like the, like 
what long form improv was like 20 or 25 years ago where people are like, what is this thing? And then became huge. And I feel like clowning is almost feels like it has that early trajectory to it. But like, how would you describe what that is or for someone who didn't really know? Yeah, I think that's true about the improv. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens because it does feel like clown is really having a moment. Like, mm-hmm. especially in LA, it's like very trendy and cool to be a clown right now. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But yes, I think a lot of people have misconceptions of clowns because they think of clowns with like really scary makeup on. And actually, I'm, we'll get into this, I'm sure, in depth, but Madonna said something about being interested in clowns because they are trying to make us laugh and it's like they're covering up which, what's going on. And that's actually not what clown should be. The Madonna's a goddamn liar. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a misconception. Like a a clown should really reveal. So whether you're wearing the red nose and playing so much that it fills that so that you become more alive or without a red nose that you're, you're really leading from this like beautiful vulnerability place so that you're very alive and physically committed and compelling to watch. I do think that Madonna, for what she (laughs) says about clowning and then, and granted this is like something that she tried twice. Yes. And did it rehearse. And I do think that like what she displays throughout this concert is an attempt to be very vulnerable. Yes, yes. And so I think for whatever she said about it, like what she then tries to do is on par with like what you're describing. Yeah, I didn't mean to shit talk Madonna right out the gate. I just... It's okay. <laughs> we, we, we love her so much that we can be frustrated and or like confused, you know? It's so like... what would you say? So would you say that this show is sort of an example of clowning or like a of what it is that you do or anything like that? Well, mm- no, no. <laughs> no, but uh, but I understand. Um, I agree. I think it had some nice, like vulnerable, vulnerable moments, like the stories she was sharing and some of the songs she chose to sing. And I also even understand the beginning. Like she's trying, she's on a tricycle, and she's like kind of trying to be. To me, it seems like weird, and I I, I kind of get that because when I first started doing clown. There was an impulse of that in me too, that it was like, I felt, I didn't always feel weird, like I didn't fit in, but there is a part of me that's like, wants to be seen and wants to stand out and didn't feel like part of the status quo. And I do think there's something about a clown that is in line with that, if if that makes sense. Like I understand mm-hmm. her, her impulse. I just think, I mean, God, I've been doing it for almost 10 years and it's still so complicated to even describe it. So I just think it's a really big art form and it's it's a big ask. And she did. She did keep saying, you know, this is a work in progress. So, right. yeah. So if you criticize her, go to the door. She tells us right where the door is, right at the top. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're, exactly. We're, we're going to stay in the room and we're going to say what we think. Because <laughs> she can't stop us. Because that's the rules of the podcast that I've already signed. Yeah. I've and agreed Madonna, to. Madonna, if you yeah. don't want to listen to it, you can shut this podcast off. <laughs> what is your like relationship with Madonna, like in general, like with without just not just this this concert or this this that we're going to talk about? Like, what is you like? What do you what do you think of her? Do you like her? Are you a big fan? Like, where are you at with Madonna? And wherever you're at, it's fine. I am 
fan. I wouldn't say I'm a big fan. Eric was like asking me on a scale from one to five, one to five, one to five. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And I do think my closest connections with her were when I was a kid and I was bossing my friends around to choreograph like a prayer because I was a bossy kid. Really fun for me. And then Mm. I did tell Eric I sang like a virgin at a karaoke friend's birthday party when I was like eight years old. Sure. When I was at my grammar school graduation, they had a DJ and they had like a, a carry, like a sort of carry, like a lip sync off to like a virgin. How old were you? In, in, in grammar school? Is that elementary school? Yeah, we just, oh. yeah, eighth grade. We just graduated eighth grade. And all the girls That's... took turns lip syncing to like a virgin. Wow. Huh. Where, Where was that? Where did you grow New up? New Jersey. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Explains They're everything. They're fast there. Yeah. That's really weird. I asked Julia the one to five scale thing. And I said, one is like, I know the hits from the eighties, but that's kind of it. And five being like, I buy every album and I listen to it. And Julia was like, um, maybe a two. I don't know. This was all via text. So I might be putting tone into it. That wasn't there, but I feel like you were like, I'm definitely a one and maybe closer to a two. Like maybe I paid two some rising. more attention to rising. <laughs> yeah. I don't a scale one to five feels like more pressure than one to ten. I know. I wanted you. I wanted you to have to decide. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. If you put it on, if you put it on one to ten, would you say I'm definitely a two, or would you be like three, four? Three. Three. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. Five. Well, the reason <laughs> why I asked was because I wanted to ask you some trivia questions, but I didn't want to ask you things that were like bananas outside of like what the generalized scope of knowledge would be. Okay. So there's five questions. Okay, here we go. I know, very business-like. John's going to know some of these. So some of these are just for Julia. I won't won't pounce on the buzzer. Yeah, and some of them are, John, you might not know. Okay. True or false, Madonna is Madonna's birth name. Oh, God. (laughs) I was so sure, and then I got scared. Oh, what was your I gut? It's your gut? True. I think it's true. And then you were like, marketing genius. Wait, <laughs> is she just like, did she make it up? I'm really not prepared for that. <laughs> okay, go with your gut. Uh, yeah, true. Yes, your it is. Madonna rice. is Madonna's birth name. Nice. Okay. Question and number two. And it's like two. something Chaconi. Chaconi is her last name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. Louise Veronica. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, that I'm was sorry. my... <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Did you hear John. that? Uh, Did no. you hear what John said? No, no, no. I'm not listening to this. I'm, gonna... I'm, not, I'm not listening. My next Get question was, clown. what was Madonna's middle name? But John <laughs> yeah. just said it, so... Oh, okay. Do you know what Madonna's well, middle name is? Well, you said, wait, Louise is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the other one was. Her confirmation name is Veronica. For when she got confirmed in the Catholic Church, she her it chosen sound confirmation like a Catholic name was name. There's a Saint Veronica. There is. Okay. I mean, any confirmation name is that you take on a saint's name. The one I do. We know what yeah, Francis. Veronica sounds like really like va va boom. Like I'm surprised yeah, there's a Saint <laughs> Veronica. 
like Betty and Veronica. I think Veronica's the like. She's the are they the, are they both hot? Betty and Veronica. They're both sexy, but uh, Betty is like the like the blonde sweet girl next door, and Veronica's the like she she seems to like sex. What's that, Betty and Veronica? <laughs> uh, the Archie comics. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Riverdale. You, you said, what's that? Right after John said, she seems like she liked sex. And you're like, what's that? So earnestly. Oh, yeah. I wish that was the joke I made. I'll cut it, yeah, you should cut it before that. Still singing like a virgin, John. So, Like nothing. <laughs> okay, so we know what Madonna's middle name is. And you kind of knew that. You kind of knew, Julia. I think you did. Okay, number three. What's Madonna's astrological sign? Oh, God. Oh, I I have no idea. Aries. What do you know? Do you know stuff about astrology? Um, I know about my my astrological stuff. What are you? I'm a Scorpio. She's not an Aries. John, you know what it is. Do you? I think she's a Leo. She's a Leo. That makes sense. Lion. Yeah. Leader. Alpha. That makes sense. Apex predator. Do you know her rising and and moon, John? I do not. Okay. All right. I don't either. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Eric. I, I did. Hear... <laughs> <Ahem>. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I did hear somewhere that she is enough into astrology that she refuses to work with Virgos. Wow. If you wow. if she's like considering somebody for like a choreographer, like to like you know, collaborator, she's like, yeah, what's your sign? And the Virgos get cut. I don't know if it's wow. true. I feel like she has enough options that. that she could be like, Meh. okay, so now we're gonna talk about Madonna's record label that lasted from 1992 to 2009. And this is not okay. I'll just tell you about it a little bit and then I'm going to ask you a question. It was called Maverick okay. Entertainment and they produced music, books, they had a movie and film development division and it was very successful for that many a years, that many a years, 92, like 15ish, 17 years. Mm-hmm. Which group slash musical artist was not a member of the Maverick record label at some point in their career? Okay. Ready? Yes. William Orbit, who produced Ray of Light album famously, Alanis Morissette, Erasure, Dana Dane, or Donna Delory. Now, Julia, you won't know this, but Donna Delory was one of Madonna's longtime backup singers who had okay. has somewhat of a solo career. So one of those people, William Orbit, Alanis Morissette, Erasure, Dana Dane, or Donna Delory, was not on the Maverick label. I'm going Alanis Morissette. Do you have an opinion, John? Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing. My first thought is Erasure, but I wonder if it's William Orbit. So, but I'll go with I'll go with my gut and say Erasure. Okay, it is Donna Delory. Wow, she didn't sign her own backup singer. Yeah, and I don't know who that, so her, Donna Delory had a 1992 album called Donna Delory. So it would have been right timing, but she's on Geffen. And maybe that's because she had made the deal. been there beforehand. Before, yeah. yeah. But her single, her first single was called Praying for Love, which is a very like 
guys, I'm kind of like Madonna, right? <laughs> it's like a prayer, living for love, you know. Praying for love. Praying for love to take my tears, to take my fears and throw them all away. Praying for love on a solely night. If we look real hard, I know we'll see the light. Praying for And it's pray, pray in like P R A Y. Yes, not P R E Y. Like, she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she should have, that, that would have been an interesting wordplay for her if she chose to go that route. <laughs> but Praying for Love is a pretty catchy song. Praying for Love. It's kind of how it sounds. Praying for I liked it. I liked it. Okay, do you know the name of Madonna's firstborn child? Okay, is it David? No, no, no it's not virgin. David. It's not David. Rocco. Is it Rocco? No, but that's close. That's her second and third. Oh, is it? Um, is it Jesus? <laughs> close. <laughs> I think you actually got that correct. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that I should have been Which more specific Madonna? about yes. the question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, her first child was her daughter, Lourdes. Lourdes oh, Leon, right. Yes. Yes. Who released an EP uh, in, in 2022, like a five song EP titled Go. And she recorded it under the moniker Lola Hall which is, I think, like, Lola's a nickname of her, like, a lifelong nickname of hers. And then H-O-L at the end of it, Lola Hall. I don't know what it, it's like, it, when you look at it, it's like, is it supposed to look like alcohol, sort of? Oh, I don't man. know. Oh, did you, did you listen to it? I did. I've listened to it. And one of the songs on it, it's like, you know, I think all of her kids, I think she encourages her kids to, like, do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, I think it would have been easy for Lourdes to be like, hey, mom, do you want to be on this thing? But I think they both are independent thinkers. But one of those tracks is a play on a word that is a female genitalia wordplay. Wordplaying with a, with a, some might say, crass term for a female part. So I'm just I have an say idea. It. You know, oh, can I guess? What are you going to guess no. what the, the name of the track? Or are you going to guess the part, the body, the word for the body part? <laughs> the na- I'm going to guess the name of the track. I'm going to guess the whole thing. Oh my God. Right. Okay. Let's do it. Vulva Voom. <laughs> Vulva Voom? So crass. Vulva Voom. Yeah. Is that it? It's not it, but it's, it's good. If that had been it, that would be so insane. <laughs> and if the I podcast right that. now. You're officially a five. <laughs> yeah. You jumped up. Okay. She lied. She's not even a clown. Get her out of here. These are your five choices for for the what it is. Oh, 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 okay. And I feel confident saying this word okay. so many times because it is the actual one of them is the actual track. So I feel okay. like like whatever, but I'm gonna say this word You're a bunch of times now. Okay. I'm just respecting the artist. So it's a play on it's play on this word. So one of them's 
one choice is down for the cunt, like down for the count, but down for the cunt. Oh, okay. The second choice is cunt down, like countdown. Oh, okay. The third choice is (laughs) C (laughs) asterisk U asterisk N asterisk T. Okay. The first choice, the fourth choice is contradiction. Okay. And the fifth choice is cunting edge. I mean, these all could have been started Madonna's (laughs) I have what I hope it is, and then I have what I think it might be. But also, John, do you know what I don't know, but I have a guess. But you go first. Let's hear what you hope it is first. I hope it's cunting edge. Oh. (laughs) I like that one. And what do you think it is? Well, I was wondering if, even though I didn't really understand this one, but because you said her her name was maybe a wordplay on alcohol or what what was oh, her Lola name Hall. her Lola artist name that i thought maybe it would be the c dot u dot n dot t dot mm-hmm. right like it was going to stand for something else like she- yeah like she's into symbolism i don't know mm-hmm. yeah john what do you think it is my guess is contradictions it is contradiction just singular not plural oh sorry <laughs> But I think I also guess that because you went first choice and you went. Oh. I know I blew it. I'm usually so. I'm, usually I don't. My tells are not that great. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I wondered about choice. that, but then I thought that that can't be. I wish that I had had the wherewithal to do that on purpose to throw it off. Like if I got to cut, cutting edge and I was like, and number one, number five. Yeah, I should have done it. Oh, there. that'd be so good. You could do that okay. next podcast. Next episode. Okay. It definitely sounds like they're very not Madonna songs, mm-hmm. mm. if that makes sense. So it's definitely like her not trying. I don't think any part of her was, I, I think it's inescapable when you're like a child of, when you're Maya Hawk, you know, you can't, you're like, well, how do I go off on my own and try to be my own person? Because you're always be like- the same world. Like for like Rocco, her son, who's like a visual artist, that's sort of easier, I would imagine. And even he did like his, artist name is like Red, I think. It's like R-H-E-D-D maybe. So that there's some like stab at anonymity, but I I think it's probably, I think early on they were probably like, and here's Red. It's Madonna's son Rocco, Mm -hmm. like that, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an impossible situation (laughs) to be in. It is an impossible situation. I I do think that he's a talented artist. I think they're both talented. I mean, they're both, I think doing what they're doing without the banner of I am Madonna's offspring seems like they're both creative interesting people that makes sense i mean rocco's father is also an artist yes guy Ritchie. should we talk about tears of a clown let's get into tears of a clown so Tears of a Clown was, uh, so she's done it twice, but initially it was sort of a one-off thing she did at near the end of the Rebel Heart Tour when she was in Australia. And she did it because she had not been to Australia for her last five tours. And so she said it was something that she was doing for her Australian fans to sort of apologize and 
and thank them for being so patient for her not coming back to Australia because she hadn't been back since the girly show. So she did it one night. It was on March 10th, 2016. Tickets were only available to people who are in her fan club, the Icon fan club. And their names were printed on the tickets, so they were non-transferable. And wow. she started four hours late because she was still rehearsing when the showtime was supposed to start. So they waited four hours and then she came out and did her show. And it was the first time she did it was a two hour long version. And then she did it later that year on December 2nd as part of a fundraiser in Miami. And it was a, that was a benefit gala for uh, her for raising Malawi. And yeah, it's sort of more spoken word and her singing, not fully acoustically, but very stripped down. Like she did have her backup singers, but there was no like choreography. There was no dancers. She was just in one costume the whole time. And yeah, it was her. It's fun. Like, I don't know a lot about clowning, but to me, I was like, oh, she's basically kind of doing a storytelling show. Really is what it felt more like to me than clowning. But even though, again, like I'm not I don't know that much about clowning. So I had heard about this and I finally watched it. I watched the the one from someone has posted online, someone named ENK, who has sort of put together sort of like all these different clips and stuff because it's not officially available anywhere, although parts of it are available on the Rebel Heart tour DVD, but not the whole show. And so he put, the, so thank you, ENK, for putting it together. And then I was also able to listen to the audio track of the Miami uh, performance, which was an hour, which is just over an hour long. And it was a lot of different numbers that she did. But uh, so what did you guys say? Had you guys seen Tears of a Clown before? Any uh, thoughts or opinions going, you know, just overall quick thoughts before we get into it? I had not seen it before. And I had like the clips that I had seen of it in the past. To be honest, I found like, I was like, uh, this looks rough. Which she tells us at the top. This is going to be rough. <laughs> but w watching it, I was actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. And for the reasons are because I, I didn't expect her to be so autobiographical. I thought when I texted Julia about it, I described it as like, it's a mixture of like stand up and concert. And it does have, like, she does tell some eye-rolly jokes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I would, if I were to reframe it again, I'd be like, oh, it's kind of like a storytelling show. I mean, though there's not a lot of stories that feel, the stories that she tells, I think, are very interesting and that I hadn't really heard before. Julia, you had, you had not seen it before, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, I hadn't, but I agree with that. It did feel like a storytelling show. And she mentioned at the beginning that she says, you know, I really am a storyteller or I think of myself that way, something like that. And then, yeah, the E&K is what I watched. And it, it was kind of cool because it was the clips of her talking and a lot of feedback from her fans, which are clearly, it makes sense what you said, that it was only released to her, her top fans because they clearly loved her so much. And I thought as, a, as an artist who tries... So clown is a lot about playing through the audience. So it's a lot of you, you get rid of the fourth wall and you're kind of like, whatever you're planning to do, you're kind of looking at them all the time to see if they're with you. And then if they are with you, then you might repeat something you did. You might kind of go off your plan because of the feedback you're getting. So for my process, I was like, how interesting this huge superstar Madonna trying something out of her comfort zone, which I think is really cool. And d being a huge star and doing it for these amazing fans. It's like so interesting to have the dichotomy of like, you don't really get the feedback of what's working and what's not working. <laughs> they're they're going to love her no matter what, you know? Sure. That's interesting. That's interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. Because they're even like cheering. They're cheering so much. I also think that what we're watching is if she had started it four hours earlier, 
they might not. I think everybody got kind of drunk in the audience. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's true. So their filters are altered by that. And there, there are moments in this where she's clearly trying to be vulnerable. And I think in her mind, she's thinking like people are going to really listen, like sit forward and listen to this. And what what's happening mm-hmm. in the audience is that they're just like, we love you, Madonna. You're yeah. the queen. Right. Like they're cheering her on right. in a yeah. way mm-hmm. that that they think that the ask is to somehow like boost her up out of this vulnerable moment. But she doesn't yeah. want that. She wants yeah. to be like, no, yeah. I want to be vulnerable right now. And I want to I want to sit in this moment and show you this thing. I don't want to hear this sort of like. There were definitely times where I thought like she hates the audience right now, or she must be so frustrated with the fact of like, I'm just trying to have this moment and people are just screaming out. Uh, Oddly enough, this reminded me of many years ago when I saw uh, Liza Minnelli was doing a a show (laughs) on Broadway and like, I had never seen her live before. So I was like, oh, a friend of mine had a comp ticket. And I was like, people were shouting the ent- through the entire concert. Like, we love mm. you. You're amazing. He's like, just let the woman sing. You know, what do I have that I don't mm-hmm. have? You know what I mean? Like, just can we all just sit? But it was it sort of was the same thing of like, and I I could tell that there were times. I don't know. I got the sense there were times where I was like, well, I think Madonna almost hates her fans right now mm-hmm. or wishes they could just mm-hmm. like, sit and listen and just go along for the ride instead of singing off key constantly, uh, which something that happens a lot because i think a lot of the videos too are from people's phones and so like there are a lot of times like oh the person right next to the camera is given their all and their all is not a lot and, <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. definitely some moments where it's like oh sort of cringy for us to listen to but yeah i can imagine it's sort of she's in this weird place she's like yeah i'm a rock star and i'm really close to these people you know like i'm in close proximity to these people and they're just screaming all the time because that's what they think they're supposed to and allowed to do at a Madonna concert. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, where does she go to really try something? I mean, it's like, it's not like she can go somewhere anonymously. You know what I mean? Like she, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge There's an open fan fair. She's going to check out. Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think she could, she could do something anonymous, like unexpected with the audience, with an audience that wasn't so loaded to be on her side it would be i don't know how you would do it but i think i would imagine she probably has done smaller sets with like amy schumer like at a time where like people are either going to see amy schumer and she's like oh here my oh i have a special guest for you tonight and madonna can come out and do like 10 or 15 minutes or whatever she wants to do like yeah i'm sure she can do stuff like that where there's a crowd who would obviously be excited and like to see her and, and and all that but at but which is different than like a crowd of people who are like we're here to see madonna and that's what we're expecting She comes out at the top of the show and she's riding a tricycle and she's dressed as a, I think like as a clown. She's dressed, right? <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah, sort of yeah. what you'd expect to sort of sort of stereotype like a very high fashion version of like a clown. Yeah, she's got like, like a, a little sexy clown. A sexy clown, but the sexiness is sort of like covered up by a, like a flouncy yellow dress. She's got a pink wig on and a little top hat. A little fast. Mm-hmm. Is, is it a fascinator or is it just a, a slightly smaller top hat? <laughs> I couldn't tell. I think it's a fascinator. I think. Okay. I don't know when it yeah. becomes like just like a, like a, a small hat. When does a small hat become a fascinator? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Email us, guys. Answer the question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let us know. But she rides in the tricycle, and she the music is like that classic sort of clown music. It's is it like that 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 that
Yeah, it's like almost what she uses at the beginning of the girly show. Yeah. Yeah, she rides around in a circle, then falls over. Which is, I she's think... very flexible. That was very impressive. <laughs> I was like, damn. That, she's been doing her splits, her stretches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you were, like, doing something as a clown, I feel like what you're saying, and I, my limited understanding of this art form, I'm like, yes, I know that to be true of this, is that you're, like, really watching the audience. So what she would do would be, like, riding around the tricycle, and if the audience was laughing and clapping, she'd keep that going until they, the audience would tell her, like, when they're done with it. Yeah, I actually thought that because she does, I think she does two circles. So she does a circle and I think people are like, okay, She's I mean, here. maybe it's it was just four me. hours, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, maybe it was just me, but like it was, you know, like fine. And then she did it again because it was like, that's what she had choreographed to do, but not because people loved it. I mean, I could be wrong. I wasn't there. You know, it's always weird yeah. to watch a recording of a <laughs> right, right, theatrical right. piece. But then she fell out of the tricycle and that's another thing, like, I think she fell, she wasn't looking at the audience. Like, a, if she fell and she looked at the audience, that would have invite, probably invited more potential for comedy. But she kind of fell, and it was kind of like, I don't know, was that on purpose? I'm <laughs> guessing that was choreographed. I don't know. And then she did a, like, big slit, and I was like, damn, Madonna, like, <laughs> you're really flexible. She stayed in good shape. Then she sings her first song. In the clouds. I do. Can I say one thing yes. about the? Okay, so because one thing about a clown talking about the vulnerability, one of my great teachers, Aitor Basari, says that if you can't, if you can't be funny, be beautiful, and that's sort of the beginning of the clown is like how to be really beautiful on stage. And I think she had moments of that. And going back to the being a superstar, I was just thinking one thing about comedy is, you know, if it's working because people are either laughing or not laughing, as opposed to like, as opposed to making someone be moved, like you you don't necessarily know if someone is crying. Or silent, silent because they're they're moved or silent because because they're wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that seemed connected it is connected it is connected but it's also connected to what we were saying earlier about the the crowd there they're not giving her they're giving her a genuine reaction and that they're super stoked to be there so they're just cheering but they it's a combination of the audience it's almost like as a comedian testing out your material at like an open mic or at like a family wedding yeah i mean like she's performing for a crowd that is gonna love her gonna like you know just so excited she's there you know not which isn't to say it's genuine or they're not actually enjoying themselves but it is just like a different thing like you can't it's hard to like fully judge or get a from their reaction how it's going yeah yeah and i think that i love him but i think that's why steve martin stopped doing stand-up eventually is because his houses were so huge Mm -hmm. and they loved him so much that he was like I don't have to do anything. And not only that, but the rhythm of the comedy is really thrown off because the the houses were so humongous that he was having like reverberations of the laugh. And so the timing was, anyway, I just love that to be like love in art form. And then to realize it's at a point where you're like, I need to do something else because it's getting inauthentic uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, Julie. I'm glad you said that all that. Thank you. That's why we wanted you on this Yay. podcast for this <laughs> She does send in the clowns from a little, a little light, light music, music. Mm-hmm. Sondheim. Her dear friend. 
And it, it like, and then towards the end of it, she it, like, there's like a weird sort of like backbeat that goes into it. Yeah, it's sort of like it felt, to me, it felt like this is kind of on the nose, doesn't really quite, but okay. Yeah, but I love then, that song. I do love I do that. Too. Song. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was really like singing it felty, which you usually mm-hmm. hear that song sung like a little bit more like yeah, backed it's not, off. It's not a, it's not like yeah. a big sing. It is, you know, it was written for yeah. someone who had a very light voice. Yes. And I also think yeah. the key of it was weird. Like I was like, this isn't sitting well in her voice. I thought mm-hmm. that song again, like it is sort of like very sort of conversational. It's not a big sing. So it should, should mm-hmm. sort of feel effortless. And it felt like it was in a place in her voice where she had to like concentrate mm-hmm. to like hit the note. Yeah. And so I thought it was odd that they didn't just go like, oh, what's the best key? Because it's just, it's not like, this is what Sondheim wrote. We've got to respect the original key. It's like, yeah, we're doing a concert. What do you, what, what's the best key for you? And then she talks a little bit about fame. Yeah, she starts talking about how fame changes not just you, but the people around you. She said she had a quote by somebody who. Oh, Gabrielle, Gabrielle Garcia Lorca, and the quote is. I wasn't sure if she said fame or pain, because I think some mm. pain came up, but either way, it's very evocative. Yeah, fame is another form of misunderstanding. And then she goes into Drowned World Substitute for Love. Yes. I know it was a work in progress and very rough. She just finished rehearsing it, but I almost wish there was like a little bit more starts because like she does a bunch of songs and I think they're all really great, but it felt a while for me to feel like what is happening? Like, I guess maybe it's just like my training as someone who does storytelling or does more like sort of more uh, traditional theater where I was like, I wanted a more of a sense of like a point or like the larger story to start to unfold. And it felt like the first couple numbers were her just like, here's another number I like to do. Here's another number, you know, like mm-hmm. it was sort of, and part of me was like, okay, I, I wanted it to sort of build on it in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think if she were, if she had like pursued this more as like, I actually want to do this show on Broadway and do it. And then I think that this would be the phase of it where you'd be like, okay, you did it. You wrote your first draft. Right. Now that first draft is just kind of like telling you what you're like thematic the is. Yeah. artistic question that you're trying to answer is. And she like, hints at it and it's definitely like she feels misunderstood she relates to clowns she feels like she's yeah like that she's motivated by all these things that are like tragic and touching and and yeah but she doesn't quite get there oh it makes me wonder because i i didn't look at who she had worked on it with like if she had a director if she was only working with a music like if she had an outside Mm -hmm. Storytelling kind of eye on that either. Okay, yeah. There's footage on the version that we watched of her rehearsing it, and definitely Monty Pittman, her longtime guitar player and teacher, 
is definitely feels like he's musically directing it. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like it's not that she doesn't have a person who's a director and not a, like a director of concerts, but a director of theater right. there to be like, what are you, how do we, how do you want to do this? Maybe that's the next step. Maybe. <laughs> But she's not doing it again. I mean, it doesn't seem well, like it. I, we can talk about this later. But um, so when I, I listened to the second time she did it, and it was funny, like watching this, I, I thought like, oh, this overall, like, oh, this is enjoyable. Again, like if she did some more work on it, it just could be a really great piece. So the second time she did it as a fundraiser, listening to it, she is not having a good time. Like the audience oh. is like kind of sitting on their hands maybe it's because it was a fundraiser but she sort of like yells at them a lot you could tell that she's just really really frustrated with the audience oh. and in my mind I was like oh I can hear her being like nope never doing this again oh it wasn't a disaster she disaster but yeah I mean, I mean she literally is like yelling at the audience multiple times in that version of it where she's like what is she yelling at them She's like, are you drunk? Or like she, the joke about uh, that where it's actually at this point too, where she does it in this show, where she's like, what six inches long, two inches wide, and women go crazy for it. You know, the answer is a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. No one's saying anything. Or there's this one guy who I think we find out is like Brazilian, who she's like, will you shut up? I'm going to have you removed. Like she has like a hostile audience at that fundraiser. And I, <laughs> my mind, I was like, oh yeah, this is why she's never done it again. She had like one decent first version of it. And then a second one that tanked and she was like, I'm going to write a movie instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is too bad because it's funny, like, you know, what you were saying about clowning about, like, oh, there's no fourth wall. Like, it's the same thing for storytelling and also stand-up where it's just like, yeah, you are talking to the audience. You're not pretending that audience isn't there. You're not pretending anything of the reality of the situation isn't there. And I was sort of excited by that. And, you know, at the beginning, they'd be mm. like, oh, she's like, I love her tours. I love her music. But, like, it's not direct. It's like, that's the kind of artist, that's the kind of art that that is. But in this, right. it's sort of like, oh, she's going to actually, e you know, even if it's not like, here's the 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 story that inspired the song. But, like, later when she talks about finding her mother's, um, you know, her mother's grave that's overgrown and she sings that song. Or when she talks about Rocco and she sings those other songs, it's like, oh, this is a really beautiful combination of her directly telling us a story and having the music with that, I thought it was really wonderful and what a great opportunity for her. That's not something that she normally does. Like she will do that maybe in interviews, but even there, she's not in control necessarily of the interview. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, this is exciting. This is something she hasn't done. This is a unique thing that I would love to hear her talk more directly to the audience. Not that I don't love, you know, her, her regular art. And I felt like she didn't fully go all the way with it. I don't know if she's just not interested or she just had such a bad second show that she's like, nope. But that seemed exciting to me. It was enough like inside those stories that she told gave me enough of like, oh, for somebody that we know so much about, there's just like every person has just like an inner life and experiences and things that we don't know. And it made me want, it made me like excited for her version of like a biopic, which may or may not happen still with her telling that her own story. And it also made me think I want to see like a very long narrated documentary a documentary about her that's narrated by her like the beastie boys one like a little bit where they like they're telling their own story from their point of view because i feel like she could do that well 
Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, the first one, because everyone loved her so much, of course, doing it the second time and having sort of a (laughs) flop is going to feel really bad. And also, I wonder how possible it is. I mean, there are clowns and circuses, of course, that are huge audiences. But I'm just wondering, like, how possible it is to have that fourth wall gone with really big audiences, you know, like, I wonder how big, mm-hmm. how many people could you perform for and that still be possible? Because even I'm thinking of circus clowns, they, they, they're not running the whole show, you know, they come out and they right. do their thing and then other people come out. Yeah, I don't know. She does some other stuff. She sings some more songs. She sings Ecstatic Process. Yeah, I would say a half of the songs on this set list, she has never sung in concert or live before. And That's many of them really are from American that. Life. American Life and I think a Ray of Light are two big yeah. ones. But yeah, Ecstatic Process is one of my favorite ballads of hers, and she does this, and that's really nice. Then she does uh, Between the Bars, which is an Elliott Smith song, which I didn't know and I thought was really beautiful. Uh, But I would love to hear her like talk more about like, oh, this is why this is what this song means to me. Mm-hmm. I think she does it like, I think it's related to, well, because right afterwards she tells a story about Sean Penn. Right. I, I couldn't decide if I wanted her to like talk about Sean Penn and then sing it, you know, like just yeah. so that I know. weave them together a little more. But I do think that like Between the Bars plays with bars, like drinking bars and prison bars. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those things were a part of their time together. And the story that she tells <laughs> is about visiting Sean Penn in prison when he was briefly incarcerated and just that point of view just be like oh that's wild like she's madonna 27 28 years old super famous and going to visit her also very famous husband in jail she talks about going by herself she said which is wild yeah Mm -hmm. because apparently uh sean penn he was near richard ramirez the night stalker was uh he's like not his cellmate but i guess near him (laughs) she was like there are all these groupies for richard ramirez and that's just her madonna going to see her husband and that juxtaposition was really funny. Like that yeah. was a great story. Like I love that. I thought that was really Yeah, that was fun. a great story. Yeah. And something that I haven't heard her talk about before. Right. Mm-hmm.
Nobody's perfect. I don't think it was right after that song. I think she talked and then, but then somebody was like, you're perfect. (laughs) No, bitch, nobody's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I just sang a song. Like, pay attention. (laughs) One person's perfect. And then she sings, oh, she does this little like crowd work where she says, if somebody says, somebody comes at you, you just say, sorry, you're right. Every time. I'm afraid she has to teach you that I've learned if you far in life. Two phrases. One is, sorry. And the other is, you're right. I love that part. Is it possible to do? Aren't there times that you have to be like, I'm sorry, but I don't agree with you. I guess her point is just that it's always just always easier to be like, yep, you're right. There's a sense Move of on. like, probably the fight is not worth it. Right. The win is not real. Well, I thought that was interesting because I wouldn't think, I mean, I know she was saying she thought it was bullshit, but I wouldn't think she'd have that kind of personality that would, that would say, because I get, I get really like, I don't want to fucking say that if I don't, I was thinking about work and I was like, I don't like to say that if I don't, I don't want to say that. (laughs) But I did think it was good advice. I do think it's good advice. And then I'm also like, I don't know that it's possible to do. And I suspect that she doesn't do it. Well, I maybe with her kids, of, it reminds me. I think it might be part of for her because this is also right after talking about Sean. Uh, it sort of made me think of that song, I Fucked Up, which is like a, a song on MDNA, where I think there's a part of her that maybe feels like in her relationships, they have, I don't know, this is just me projecting based on like what she said, is that like they have maybe fallen apart in part by the fact that she was stubborn about. No, this mm-hmm. is I want this. This is I think this is what we should do. And da da da. And you're wrong. And this is the right thing to do. And then maybe that has been what has, in a broad sense, like a big uh, co- contributor to the, those relationships uh, not working out ultimately. That's sort of what it seemed like to me. Not like on all points in life, but like in a relationship with someone you love, it's better to just be like, okay, fine. Yeah. Then fight over something. But I do think though, if that if that is the case that both people have to be practicing that. Sure. Yeah. You can't, can't that philosophy. Like if somebody is like not doing it and constantly being like, thank you, I am right. (laughs) I think, you know, and then like that, that's the narrative is like, I'm always right. And you're always wrong. It only works if both people are doing it. Otherwise one person becomes a doormat. So Madonna's not maybe, Madam X is not a therapist. Maybe (laughs) There's one thing that matters. She's an equestrian. She's a swim, a scuba diver. <laughs> She's a clown. <laughs> She's a clown. All right. And then she goes into easy. Oh, she does a little sort of sweet talk about her dad and growing up and the work ethic that he instilled in her and how important it, how big a part of her identity it is, which 
is something again that I've known, but I just haven't heard her talk about it in that way before. I grew up without a mother, everybody knows that. But I did have an amazing father who could be accused of being a workaholic. I may have inherited that. <laughs> but he taught me some important things, some important lessons in life. One is that you have to work hard to get somewhere in life. Yes. Yes. You have to work hard, there's no way around it. There's no, no number of Instagram followers that are going to achieve that for you. Work hard. Work hard. And accomplish things with your life. But also that there are no free rides. And that everything in life has to be earned. And then she sings a song called Easy Ride. She does not want an easy ride. Nope. She wants to work for it. She talks about, she sings the song Intervention, which she dedicates to her son, Rocco. I think it was- During this time, he went to go live with Guy Ritchie in London. Okay. And she, there was like a thing where she wanted him to, I, my understanding of it is that like, he kind of took off and went to London. And then she was like, no, you, I want you to come back and live with me, we'll work this out. And they didn't speak, I think, for a little while. Which is pretty typical for a teenage boy and his mom. Yeah, I think he was like, you know, 16 or 15 or 16 or something. And it's also very typical to like want to go live with your dad, I think, if your parents are divorced. Sure, I would imagine. Or the other the other parent, you know, like where, yeah. you, where you are. With a different parent. And then also, because yeah. I imagine also like, because she was on, on, again, she was on tour. So it's just like, I don't want to be in this circus. You know what I mean? I don't want to be in this world. I want to be somewhere else. Like if you're on tour you're in that like there's that's what you're doing like there's no your own life while it's happening that's yes. always really confusing to me though because i didn't know what was going on yeah. with the son <laughs> but it seemed like the audience knew like it seemed like they were with her and so i was like i don't know what is happening <laughs> like yeah this is where being a 1.5 really worked against you sure I, it really did i know <laughs> Um, I needed more time to prepare. <laughs> but uh, but I thought it was really sweet. And that's sort of like what I loved uh, overall about the show is like, because like this song was written before that happened, but like her inter, like those very true direct stories and, you know, like interwoven or connected with these songs, I thought like made me appreciate the song in new ways, maybe like them, you know, in ways I hadn't before. And so like, I love that. So like, anytime she was able to sort of achieve that, I thought it was really successful. And it made me excited for her to, 
want to keep developing it. intervention she does one of her jokes that they felt like they were out of a joke book or like a joke that like your uncle would tell you like when you were a kid Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. she does this donkey joke here she talks about the chinese medicine man that travels with her that keeps telling her put stuff up her butt she was throwing peanuts in the audience that's how we got to the chinese medicine yeah she's like like, push these peanuts up your ass (laughs) yeah that was weird. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to shit talk Madonna, but like also the, the clowns that were the bartenders that would come out and serve her drinks. I was like, what's going on? That was really weird. <laughs> All right. to me. She also had someone in like a full clown suit who would occasionally when she would, cause she sat down, she played the guitar a lot of this, who would just come out and like turn a page. But it was like so mm-hmm. weird. Like she's singing this ballad and then just like a big, like six foot clown comes in, like just comes in out of nowhere turns a page of music and then walks off. Mm-hmm. I did, it was like a reoccurring theme. And I did think that there was a, a world in which that, that works. If it's like as a reoccurring joke that like, she's doing something very vulnerable and like, but she can't sort of like, she can't it. read the next page of the music. Like she can't go on until this thing happens. I don't know. Yeah. There's potential there. Mm-hmm. There is There's potential yeah, there. Like the, 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 the problem that she has to solve. Yeah. You know, how do I turn this page of music with my hands full? I don't know. There was there was something about where she I think was saying she had been working on the show so much, I think towards the beginning where I was like almost made me feel envious in a way because she because it it isn't figured out clearly. <laughs> like it's all of these ideas, but that is a really exciting place to be. Yeah. In making something to be and it sucks. It can really suck obviously when you're in it. But anyway, I was like, oh it's it's so cool that part where you're like, I don't know what this is, you know. <laughs> right. It could be twenty different things. Uh, you just right. And the I yeah. think also we've talked about this a little bit, but not directly. The fact that she's so notoriously a control freak, and mm. that everything in her other shows is like rehearsed, 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 rehearsed until like it's there's no surprises, mm. and she doesn't deal well i mean she it's live so things happen but her comfort zone is like everybody's really well rehearsed and doing it and it comes out perfectly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so to intentionally put herself in this spot where she's like i'm on purpose putting myself in front of an audience where this is going to be kind of idea floppy yeah Mm -hmm. is impressive i mean granted it's an audience of like her icon (laughs) You know, right. that's a great point because there's no reason why she has to do that except for she feels drawn to it for some reason. And it's one reason why I think clown and probably improv too, but it's so good for actors because we're bred into us so much to ignore what's actually happening in the room to only do what you've rehearsed. And it's so maddening. It's like, what the. She sings, I'm so stupid.
Then she does another song, Paradise, Not For Me. And more of her. Then she does banter about her uh, grills that she likes to wear. Yeah, it's one of those things where she's like, "The more you tell me not to do it, the more I'm gonna do it." And it's like, okay. Hey, we're waiting to do it. I can do it. And also, it's so much to wear my grill. It's gonna irritate a lot of people. So go fuck yourself for that too. I just think it's dumb, but okay. Or you could say, sorry, you're right, and take them out. <laughs> Isn't that her piece of advice? In her lead up to singing Joan of Arc, which is the only song on this set list that's kind of like from this current era. So it's like new music at this point. Right. Because it's from the Rebel Heart album, which she's on tour promoting. And she talks about how, how she relates to Joan of Arc, leading into sort of like, oh, mixed up two things. That's all true. All everything that I said is true. She talks about Joan of Arc. And then after that, she talks about no limit on creating. People telling her why is she people asking her why is she still doing this. Right, you've done everything. Why do you keep doing it? Which, of course, leads directly into Don't Tell Me. She's like, would you tell Picasso to stop painting? And then she's like, would you tell Hugh Hefner to stop? <laughs> Which is a weird... Interesting example A weird to one. Use. <laughs> yeah. And someone in the audience is like, maybe he should stop. Or someone says so, someone Trump should stop, and oh yeah, right then they get the Trump should stop. Yeah, yeah. He, and he should. Tell the sun not to shine, not to get up this time. Don't go, let it fall by the way, but don't leave me when I lay. And she does a song and she's just like bouncing around a lot. She just like crouches down and just bounces while she's singing that song. I do think that like an, a human knee is only made to bend so many times and <laughs> they haven't evolved since we were supposed to die at like right, 40. 40. Yeah. So Ooh. the amount of knee deep knee bends that Madonna has done, I'm like, yeah, they're gonna, they should be Not on their third replacement right now. <laughs> she's it's on, very impressive. And those heels. I mean, she was tap dancing yeah. in those giant heels. Amazing. Yeah, her knees are her knees are real workhorses. <laughs> maybe she has had a knee replacement. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, she had a hip replacement. Ah. And she wears like knee in her later tours. She wears like knee braces or like knee pads, like sort of, some sort of knee support in a way that looks kind of cool. It's knee support, but fashion. Yeah. Yeah. They're compression socks, <laughs> but fishnet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you ever 
Yeah, so then she tells the story about finding her mom's grave with it. It has been sort of like uh, stuff has grown over it. She sings Mer Girl, and that was another, I thought, like listening to her tell the story and set up that way. Again, it was one of those songs like, oh, I'm listening to this song in a new way and bringing more stuff to it when I listen to it. So, yeah, so I thought this was successful. My mother even though she's gone, my daughter. Again, this is one of those stories where I'm like just hearing her say, like, I was visiting my dad on his vineyard and it was hot. And I wanted to go for a run and ended up like in the graveyard and finding this thing. I don't know, just the specific, the banal specificities of that day, or just like mm-hmm. things that I really wanted to hear like that. I don't know, just the idea that like Madonna visiting her dad and being like, I'm going to go for a run. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I like that kind of detail. You know, what? I need to get out of the house for a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to go for a run. He's driving me crazy. Yeah. And also the first time that I heard that in Murder Girl, it's like a musically a companion piece to Drown World Substitute for Love. Yeah. And she does a joke about a joke that goes on for way too long about what's the difference between tired oh, right, right. and 365 condom used condoms. A tire, yeah, a tire and 365 used condoms. What's the difference between a tire and 365 used condoms? Oh, that makes more sense. I thought she said tired. <laughs> like, if you're tired. No, one is a good year and another, and the other is a great year. Is a the, fucking no. great year. Mm-hmm. A good that's year. Someone and a in the audience great. keeps screaming, a fucking good year, uh, and she won't listen to it. And it's not until someone says, a great year, that she's like, oh, okay. Dollar bill. That's, yeah, she gives out some money to people who guess her joke punchlines. <laughs> then she sings Borderline, and yeah, a fun version of Borderline. Yeah, I like this version a lot. This sort of feels like her big, like, all right, here's one of the classics. Because all the, again, all most of these other songs are like, hey, if you're a fan, they're of abstract, other songs, but a little bit, yeah. yeah. And they're here she's hits. just like, here's a little bit of red meat of like pop red hits for you. Take a bow and take a bow. This is the first time she's ever performed this song on in a concert live. Wow. 
That is true. This is the first time she's oh. done take a bow. I thought you just passed away. You looked like... Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're really glad you didn't, though. <laughs> yeah. He died doing what he loved. Talking about Madonna <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> and while, discuss- while particularly discussing take a bow. Right. <laughs> say he took a deep goodbye. bow. And he, say, he stayed down. He just stayed down. Take a deep bow. <laughs> His knees <laughs> couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Say goodbye. And at the end of it, she gets back on the tricycle, rides off stage, but then she comes back for the encore, which is holiday, of course, but being played on children's instruments, which is uh, an idea that they did on Jimmy Fallon. Did they do holiday on Jimmy Fallon? Or borderline. I'm not sure, but I know like it's a thing of Jim where like they do like a singer will do a song, but on like classroom instruments. So it's like yeah, like kazoo's or like xylophones or sort of goofy little instruments. And so it's fun. I thought it was pretty successful that version of Holiday. Yeah, I thought it was fun. And then she had a fan because she was like, because she's playing the ukulele. She's like, I can't play the ukulele and hold a microphone. So she has a fan in the front. They get right to the edge of the stage, and a fan from the front row holds the mic. That was nice. And then she's asking people like how many times they've seen her <laughs> live, and some of them are like eighty. <laughs> right, that's a lot of times. that was the end of that version of it so again as we've talked about she did it a second time a couple months later on december 1st and it was a part of a fundraiser the set list she only does 10 songs there and she has a bunch of songs that are new she does she starts with sending the clowns then she does a song called like it or not then she does a very slow down version of toxic britney spears is toxic and apparently she had like she talks about trump before and about how he's toxic and apparently she had like slides of trump as she does that right because now he's been elected president at that mm-hmm. point yeah and so she also does I'm So Stupid Again. She does Beautiful Stranger. And that's where she apparently got someone from the audience to try to do a lap dance. And she was like, why was that so... Di-? Like afterwards, she's like, "That why was that so difficult? It's never been that tough before. <laughs> she's easier. American Life, which she doesn't do in this version. And then the other song, and she says, Don't Tell Me. And then she says, Express Yourself, which I like that version. That was kind of fun. And then she ends again the same way with Holiday. There was She also, at that, she auctioned off like pictures of her and Sean Penn that Herberts took... Mm-hmm. while they were married and Sean Penn was apparently in the audience at that Miami show and yeah. like wow so but yeah again as I said before like that one if you listen to the audio she is not having a good time and it, it, in my mind because again after the first one I thought overall you know I guess we should say like some hits and misses but some hits were there and the hits were good enough that I was like oh I would love to see her develop this and do more with this and go for you know like realizing like what's working expand on that and you know but I think that after this fundraiser, she was like, never again. I'm just realizing, John, looking at your spreadsheet that I did. We did not prepare for my death match. Yeah, I don't think we were. I think we said we weren't going to do it. Did you want to yeah. do it? No, no. I, don't, I think it, typically we have a thing called Medeath Batch where any song that she's done before in concert, we will compare the version of what we're watching, what we just watched with that to figure out which one's better. Oh, but this one's also just so different. It's so different. They're, none of these are the best performances of these songs, except maybe Take a Bow, because it's the only one. <laughs> she hasn't done it before, so we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not going to be the best version of Holiday. 
but a fun one. A fun one. A fun one. So what do you guys, what are, do you guys have any other final thoughts or takeaways from this? Did you say, sorry, for the, the yeah. Miami one, did you say it was like spoken word too? Yeah, I mean, it's her book? doing, it's her, to, she does some of the jokes. She has more clown jokes. She's like, why does, why do sharks not eat clowns? Because they taste funny. She has more of those kind of hokey jokes. She doesn't have as many personal stories in that. Oh, I'm glad you said that because in the, the E&K one, you know, they're doing footage of her before the concert. I guess they're in rehearsal. Yeah, they have a little bit of that up top. And she has that terrible joke about how do you get a clown pregnant? And then like, oh, yeah. nobody wants to fuck you a don't. clown, I think. Yeah. And, but then she also was like, you know what? I hate it when people don't text you back. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, and, and I didn't know if she, I didn't know if that was part of the show or if she was just saying that. I kind of felt like she was just saying that as Madonna. Yeah, I think so and too. I, I think she was just talking about what was like annoying her in the moment. You know what really bugs me? Uh-oh. What? When I want people to text me and they don't. <laughs> Do you know how I feel? Do you know how I feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had that feeling before? Yeah, when and you then... You just wanted someone to text you and they just wouldn't. And then when you don't want to hear from everybody, everybody And then suddenly the you just said, fuck it, and you just, like, get over it. You just don't even want to hear from them again. And, they, and, they, and you've, like, become immune to feelings. They text you. Yeah, all at once. But that was nice to be included because I was like, that sort of is. And I, I couldn't tell if the person who edited it knew that was sort of a clown thing because it sort of was like this nice, just vulnerability that sure, everybody has that. But like for her just to be like, yeah, it kind of makes me feel bad when people don't text me back. And I was like, that's actually really beautiful. Like that yeah. could be the beginning right. of something and True. someone must have sent something about that because they included that in the, right, the, in the opening, version we of, saw yeah yeah, yeah. it's also we, we, something that you can't imagine anyone being like i'll text madonna back later when i feel like it like, <laughs> yeah. <who's doing> that? <laughs> yeah yeah she does talk about in the in the concert itself in front of the audience i have two things to say when she talks about like it's kind of unclear, like, because she's just sort of off the cuff saying it, that she stays up very late. So she's like going to bed usually at 6 a.m. Yeah. And that's, that's when she texts her assistant questions. And she's like, I don't expect you to write me back then. I just, that's just when I'm thinking of it, which I thought was interesting because I kind of do think she expects them to text her back then. <laughs> and, yeah, the vulnerability that of her just like, talking about, we've talked about this in this podcast a lot, that sort of like, she's more natural at some of these things. Like when she's just talking, when she's trying to be funny, she's less funny than when she's just being herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Mm -hmm. it's like not trusting that like the banality of like, you know, it stresses me out when people don't text me back. It makes me feel really bad about myself is actually really interesting and compelling. But I don't think that was like a choice on her part. Like, I think that was, again, like her just talking and whoever put this together, like whoever put together that backstage footage was just, it was just part of it. And then who- I agree, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that like what, like her kind of like not fully understanding clowning in the sort of like art form of it. I would rather hear her in place of the he donkey joke, the hee-haw joke, (laughs) 
to just talk about texting and people who don't text her back and coming from a really honest place. Yeah. The place of those jokes where she's like, now I got to do this eye rolling joke because that's part of this shtick. And I feel like in the same outfit, in the same thing, just in those moments, replace all that information with like, what's in your fridge? Especially if there was something about the fridge that you, there was like a, a buy-in for you. Like the texting thing is maybe more interesting because there's it, it cost her something a little bit that she's like not yeah. getting a response. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I do want to say this because I feel like in New York too, there's all this clown popping up but a lot of it isn't clown. People don't know what it is. And so people are doing this like really terrible version of clown, which I'm not saying exactly that's what the concert was. But if if she had said the texting thing in the show, we don't know if it would have worked, but maybe it would have made people like lean forward and be like, oh, that's really interesting. And they wouldn't probably know why most of them, but something about it would be like juicy and interesting, you know? She could even do like, like a running gag through the show that she's waiting for a text from somebody and like checking her phone like obsessively like the idea that madonna would be like waiting for somebody to Mm. get back to her and how that's affecting her throughout the show i even like that tied with your idea with the clown turning the page for her like that she was too (laughs) like that like maybe she's waiting for a text from somebody and then it turns out she's waiting for a text from that clown. And maybe she doesn't even know it was him, but she was waiting for him. She's like, oh my God, it was you the whole time. You were here the whole time. But this is what I mean. I mean, I know we're yeah. creative geniuses, but I'm also sure, like, sure. I'm sure she could pay someone else <laughs> to be a creative. I mean, Madonna, you could pay me. It's fine if you want. But I'm just saying like, did she have these conversations? I'm not sure. No, yeah, I but don't, I also I feel did, like I stuff like it. that, those ideas would develop if she kept do, working on the show. You yeah, I mean? yeah, this yeah. This did feel like a, like we said earlier, like a first draft, which she even says at the top of the show. And it yeah. seemed again like what worked works. Certain moments worked so well that it was like, oh yeah, let's keep going with this. And then to have those things of like, because I was also thinking too, like those hokey jokes. There, there could be a way that like they pay off later or somehow like at the end there's like almost something profound in their stupidity or I, I don't know what it would be but it just felt like oh there's opportunities to really develop things that take time to develop you know what I mean like they don't just happen right away in your first draft she needs to hire Bill Irwin to direct this show <laughs> and then and just be like I'm ready to I'm here's my basic concept it's still tears of a clown I'm ready to scrap all of this or what's usable mm-hmm. And then have like a workshop with him that lasts as long as she would rehearse a tour in which they like workshop stuff. That would be amazing. She has her physicality. She's so in touch with her body that she could shift. Like, I mean, I think the way a dancer's control of their body and the way a clown is in control of their body are not that far removed. But I'm really glad you brought up the jokes again, too, because that's a great example of doing something badly on purpose and then we hate you like you get to the third i'm not saying i know we don't hate we don't hate but you get to the third you get to the third terrible joke and you're like why are you doing that again we don't like it like (laughs) why chris bays who's an amazing clown teacher was my first clown teacher in new york he would say why are you bringing something you don't even like on stage (laughs) it's like bring (laughs) something you like you know we still may not like it but try you know i don't know so yeah it's interesting to be like why did you choose that like you know but there's a thing with clown about the flop where you flop 
and then you're funny. Like you try something and it doesn't work and you flop and that's when we really see your clown when you're when you're in pain. But the flop can be used too much. You know, they actually try something beautiful first and then you can use the flop. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you want like a genuine flop in a way. Like a genuine try and then a genuine sort of reaction to like that didn't work. Yeah. I genuinely still have the flop. Yeah. Yeah. But not to just go to it immediately. It can be too too easy, you know. That's what I can't tell with her about those jokes. If she's like, I actually think these jokes are sort of stupidly funny. Or Mm -hmm. if she's the gag is is that I'm telling stupid jokes. To me it almost kind of feels like the 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 grill issue of like the fact that people are saying don't wear that or the fact that people are like, these jokes are kind of dumb is she's like, yeah, that's why. And it's like if that's your only reason that feels kind of like limited or feels kind of like juvenile to be like, I'm yeah. just doing this because other people don't like it. And I want you it's to not like it. Petulant. And it's like that's a reminder that like bratty as a personality trait doesn't age well. <laughs> you know, like the, the idea of like, there's a time in, I think I'm not going to say it's gender specific, but there's a time of life where sort of like being like, a pouty, sexy brat works. And it's a very, very short time. And by works, I mean, it only works on like certain people, but like there is that moment where people are like, I don't wanna, but I'm sexy about it. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I do think- That, that works Madonna- for me, Eric. You're very- <laughs> Thank you. I was like, Thank really, you. yeah. <laughs> I think that when we look at Madonna during like Truth or Dare, calling Warren Beatty on the phone in the hotel room and being like, or Warren Beatty calling, one of them called the other, she calls him. And then she's like, you know, shut up. You said you were gonna be here, not ah, shut up. And then she hangs up the phone and she's Mm -hmm. like, "Uh," like I'm a brat. And for some reason that made Warren Beatty's dick hard. (laughs) (laughs) Or enough about her else did that he was like, oh, whatever, she's a pain in the ass. But I just don't think it lasts well. It doesn't age well. Yeah, it somehow it's just not charming in this context where it might have been, where it was a little bit then. And one of the things that Julie was talking about, about the concept of one of the clown basics is that you do something as long as it works. And when it stops working, you stop doing it. You could bring it back later maybe and see it. And like the audience will tell you that we either like that or we don't. But I don't think, I think the audience has been like telling Madonna for a while, like, we're not so into the grills. Mm. But I also think there's a part of her audience that are like, yeah, like I think it, it must be yeah. really hard for someone like her to trust an audience's reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And which is probably like why a lot of her sort of when she does talk is just sort of be like, this is all not real. She kind of says that it's mm-hmm. probably based in some sort of Kabbalistic stuff too Mm -hmm. but like nothing really matters that whole part of her canon you know what i mean like this is all sort of like temporary and not real Julia Vanderveen, it's been so wonderful hanging out with you. Thank you for being our clowning expert, our clown expert, while we discuss Tears of a Clown. My pleasure. It was so nice meeting you, John. And yeah, so much fun. Are you so? Do you think you you will are more likely to try to check out when the celebration tour comes to New York? 
you think you might now be more likely and interested in going to see it, even though tickets are very expensive? Not yeah, I would it. say more. Yeah, I would say more likely for sure. I mean, I would like to go anyway, but I think, yeah, I would investigate more now. You mean if you didn't, if you didn't believe in the illusion of money so strongly, you would just go, <laughs> you would just make it happen. Yeah, maybe I'll just hang out outside of the the concert hall. (laughs) (laughs) Going to open mics. And just see if anyone, you know, feels like taking a lady. (laughs) No. Yeah. (laughs) There are a lot of single men at Madonna concerts. It's surprising. As it turns out. (laughs) Yeah, will you be my plus one stranger? (laughs) Da 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 da. Beautiful stranger. Uh, so is there anything you want to like let our listeners know about? Anything to promote? Any like places they could see you perform? Or do you have any like stuff online they could follow or check out? Yes. My Instagram is Jules Bandy, J-U-L-E-S-V-A-N-D-I-E. And I'm doing my one woman show, which is called My Grandmother's Eye Patch in <laughs> Philly in September and in New York in September. So oh my God. I'll, oh, I'll be great. there. Yeah. Oh, just like Madonna's Madam X eye patch. Exactly, exactly like that. <laughs> this is where we find out that Madonna is your grandmother. <laughs> My grandmother loved grills, as it turns out. <laughs> she was buried in one. Aww. <laughs> like, no. I don't care, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> what a like, contradiction! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you have comments or questions or just want to reach out to us, you can reach us at thecelebrationcelebration at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account at the Celebration Celebration. Special thanks to Dynamo for our artwork. And if you could do us a lovely favor and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, it really helps people find the show and we appreciate it. And when you're re- reviewing us, just remember, we're not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on us. <laughs>we pause for two seconds i have to pee so bad and i just realized that i didn't cancel dinner plans and somebody's texting me now like are you on your way and i'm like oh oh no are we allowed to swear on the podcast yeah 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 Um, uh, we no, just did. Uh, we only if, a lot of, only if it's a song about cunts. cunts. That's the only time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. All the cunts, right. Ooh, ooh, um, Julia, sorry. Watch your language. Uh, cunts only. <laughs> cunts only. My mother's going to be listening to this. <laughs> One cunt is perfect. <laughs>